Good morning, everyone. Good morning, indeed. I mean, it might be the afternoon when you're listening to this. It's unlikely, because you've probably listened to this podcast on the drive into work. But if you are listening to it any time of day, please accept my apologies, and uh, that's it, really. Good morning, because that's when I'm recording it. Right, Darren Clarkson podcast. You know the drill. You know the introductions. White Water Kayaking podcast. Sometimes we talk about other stuff. But really, it's just about white water kayaking. I've got a coffee on me this morning because it's just uh, just coming up to 8 o'clock this morning. So if you hear slurpy slurpy, I know some of you don't like slurpy slurpy noises. But I have cheese. There you go, we've got one just there, look. Right, what we're talking about today. Well, we. What am I talking about as I talk into the ether? How do we get people into our sport? Into whitewater kayaking. How do we make it economically viable in the times that we live in? Uh, for those of you who are listening outside the UK, you may not be aware, but the UK is going through a little bit of a economic crisis. Is probably too, too strong a word, but probably isn't for some people. Some people are really struggling uh, financially, going to food banks, uh, not being able to afford dentistry because it's expensive, not being able to afford to actually get to work. Uh, because the cost of transport is expensive, etc., etc., etc. Not uh, heating bills, not being able to afford the heating bills, not being able to afford, not even luxury items in the homes, but essentials, you know, like heating, <laughs> uh, water bills, water bills, you know, especially when uh, the water companies are polluting all the rivers. Completely different uh, podcast of which I will probably get onto at some point, but today I want to talk about how do we get people into our sport. So. Tongue-in-cheek, but probably a grain of truth, I have mentioned before how kayaking has become this sort of middle-class lifestyle sport. Whitewater kayaking primarily. I mean, there's debate that it's across the whole gambit of kayaking, really. But because I'm a whitewater paddler, that's what I talk about. And it's, uh, you know, your T5, T6, T-whatever, Volkswagen van driving, dry robe wearing, Jack Johnson croc wearing collective uh, that are spending a couple of grand on boats and kit, you know, a couple of grand, the disposable income. Spending money on what you like, by the way. Uh, I'm quite jealous, I can't afford a nice shiny, you know, Volkswagen Transporter Sportline or like that. I'm quite jealous, you know, I'd love one, but I don't, I drive a bit of old uh, Ford Focus, so I want to get 200,000 miles on it before it dies. And uh, the way it's going, I'll kill it way before then. But, like I said, spending money on what you like. But how do we include people uh, into our sport, get them into our sport, that are on low incomes uh, from deprived areas? The canoe club I learned in uh, is, was and still is in a deprived area. When I came back into the area, uh, just after COVID, after living away and working away and stuff like that, the canoe club still had the kayaks that I remember the club buying when I learned to paddle in my teenage years. So these boats are 30 years old and they still had them and they were still using them for people. They not had the funds to update the fleets. Now, there's something quite shocking about that and they're quite shocking about how policies in the in the country allow community projects to stall 
Now, just put a line under that. If we then get a community project, canoe clubs, uh, social enterprises, community-based schemes that have good gear, that gear then maybe, when people are buying their own gear, become non-affordable. So it sort of puts a block on it. You, you, you come to the club, use the club, but once you get past the remit of the club for what you want to do, you can't afford to do the sport anyway. You know, uh, because you can't, you know, like, You've got other commitments, you can't afford to spend this money on this boat. You might be afford to spend time to hire a boat off your club, because some clubs do boat hire, long-term boat hire. I know this club, that uh, Penang Canoe Club, if anybody's interested, I know they do long-term boat hire for people in clubs that can't afford boats. Long-term loans as well. Excuse me. And that seems to work quite nicely. And it's on trust, isn't it? You know, like, loan a boat, they could easily run off and flog it and all that. But they do it on trust. So, how do a how do we get people into the club, or into the sport, and then how do we keep them in the sport? And when I say them, I mean us. Okay, some of us are really lucky, and we have disposable income, and we have disposable weekends, and our working patterns allow us to be part of clubs. You know, or to be part of social peer groups some people are not that lucky you know we should be blessed by the amount of leisure time we have available to ourselves if we can undertake whitewater kayak sport or we can spend hours and hours and hours of our time watching YouTube videos and going on social media you know and then go away and go paddling weekends by you know secondary weekend monthly you know, we should be really, really blessed for this stuff. But how can we sort of include more people without putting that barrier in? And I don't know if we can. I don't know if we can. I think we, we, we're really good as a, as a culture of bringing people in from grassroots. I think we are. Open days, club meets, British canoeing, canoe Wales, canoe Scotland, canoe Ireland are really good at sort of promoting that grassroots. Whether or not people take up that grassroots is a different matter, but I think they're quite good at promoting it. You know, you've got grassroots, your scouts, your guiding, your cadets, your clubs. I think really good, you know, really good to bring people in. A bit more difficult bringing adults in, I think, but bringing youngsters in, I think it's really good. And then it sort of stalls when people get to the position where they have to start buying their own kit because it becomes expensive. Now, let's just put that to one side. Because kayaking is not really about buying bits of plastic, is it? And getting on the white water or flat water or the sea or whatever it is we're doing. It's not really about that because then we need all the other stuff that goes with it. The, the extra expenses, you know, the car, the fuel. If you're away for the weekend, you need the camping gear. Or you need the B&B money. Or you need, you know, the hotel or all that stuff. It's a lot of outlay if you're new to this lifestyle. Okay, we talk a lot about the price of boats and the price of kit, but we have to understand that people don't necessarily have the camping gear, so that's another massive expense for weekends away. Huge expense. Okay, and we're now talking about spending a few hundred quid 
even on budget line camping gear to make a weekend away in the summer you know and that's a big thing excuse me then we've got the cost of not just getting to the river in fuel in car shares because maybe people don't have public, uh, they're on transport and they don't need car shares so we've got the cost of all that around then if there's no white water using white water as an example we've got the cost of using what I'm going to call wet gyms right so we've got wet gyms we've got Cardiff we've got the Nen White Water Centre Northampton we've got Lee Valley Nottingham Pinkerton up in Scotland if I pronounced it right maybe up there so I apologise I got that wrong Tees White Water Centre okay they're all man-made, man -made, I hate that term, man-made, human-made facilities. Plastic omni-block concrete ditches. Okay. Then we've got dam releases. Terrain in Wales. Dam releases in Scotland, which obviously function differently to the terrain. Now, the areas where you have to pay a facility fee to get on it's a real real sort of fine line isn't it because we don't want to be paying for access of two rivers because that is like a central tenant of open access for all isn't it that you don't pay an access fee to a, a facility to a landowner I mean how many of us paddle up in the north don't pay to get on the tees even though there's a sign that says please pay for a kayaking pass and we turn to go get stuffed uh, and pay, very few people pay. So it's a very sort of thin line. So when you've got a river like the Trevin that promotes on one hand access for all and then on the other hand charges, it's a little bit of a confusing message. Okay. Now, this podcast is not about picking on the Trevin. It just appears that this weekend quite a few people on social medias have been moaning about the fact it's 22 quid to get on. But it's interesting, isn't it, that it's 22 quid to get on and it's out of people's reach. It's out of people's reach. Now, to be honest, I probably spend 22 quid in Greg's when I go paddling uh, on my way to the river. So, uh, it's about where you put your money, isn't it? Now, years and years ago, years and years, when I was a teenager, you used to have to pay to get on the train. And a little part of cabin in the cold showers, and that was it. And then it went through a phase of the centre building got built, and you paid to get on. And then it went through a phase of not paying to get on, and rafting pretty much subsidised the centre. And then it went to paying for the car park, and you didn't pay to get on. But people didn't pay for the car park, and there's not a lot of people could do about it, you know, because you can't get, you know, no one was clamping, so. People would turn up, you wouldn't pay at the machine, and you'd get on for free. So this, it was going to lose money there, obviously. And then it became fee-based, and now it's 22 quid if you're not a member of a governing body. If you're a member of Canoe Wales, it's about £8.50, which is brilliant, and it's quite affordable if you're a member of Canoe Wales, if you're a member of Canoe Wales. Now, there's got to be a bonus to joining a national governing body, and I understand that, okay? So British Canoeing and Canoe Scotland, etc., don't have that same value 
uh, of discount. Now that's something to take up with your governing body. It's not blah blah blah. It's not something to be discussed with my podcast. Now, although I do, I'm aware that <coughs> British Canoe was offered the same deal, I think there's sort of a deal between the the two that the uh, slack is taken up by the governing body itself. Excuse me. Right now, rafting alone. Then we this goes across all facilities, right? So rafting alone is not enough to fund a facility. The profit off of rafting alone is not enough to fund a facility. So kayakers, we should not, even though I spent years trying not to pay at facilities, then we're getting on at Nottingham and not paying. I've got on the Nen and not paying, and I'd be shouted at, and I'd be all right, punk ass. Uh, and that's not appropriate. But I was a, a bit of a rebel in my teenage years. I probably still am. So if we get on these facilities, and we can argue the backs and forths about if we should have free access to rivers, we can argue that all we like. But if we do not pay to get on these rivers, what's, what's going to happen, right, is rafting alone is not enough to keep that facility alive. Simple. Simple as fact. Right? It's not enough. Raft, the, you know, like, people in this country do not have enough disposable income to spunk it all on a day out rafting. Excuse me. So, obviously, the, uh, the income from rafting has gone down. And canyoneering, etc., etc., has gone down. So that's not enough to keep it open. So we lose it that way. If uh, 25% of paddlers don't pay to get on the facility and the rest of us do, then the, everyone else is subsidising your day out. And that's not very fair neither. So you need to pack that in. Okay? If these facilities that are dam controlled, uh, then become at the whim of the water companies. We don't get the flow we need to paddle. It becomes rather than a 10 or 9 cubic release, it becomes a 2 or 3 cubic release. So we lose it anyway. Right. End of discussion, really. Well, it's not the end of discussion. That's what the quick points I want to point out. But when we lose a facility, so if we lose Teesside, which we as northern paddlers have been discussing because it changed its opening times, it's changed its pricing structure. If we lose those facilities, which I am aware are a barrier to inclusivity, because they're quite high uh, across the board, yeah? Lee Valley, Nottingham, you know, Barrage, Cardiff, they are quite high and they put, there's barriers to inclusivity, inclusivity there. I get that. Okay, I do, I get it. There's barriers to inclusivity. But if we close, if, if we are coming into a position where those facilities close, not only do we, lose the facility you know that we have we also lose people progressing in the sport now people use paddle sport as careers career options right gone are the days where it's just a load of bums although people might look a bit bummy surfer duty uh there's also a career progression in the outdoors if we lose these facilities our talent in the UK, gets lost. People cannot, do not get a career progression. People do not go from being RAF guide, tra- training RAF guide, RAF guide, into sort of trip leader, into working abroad. We lose that because they have no facilities at all. You know, we lose not, and then because we lose that, people in the that work in the area lose jobs and lose income. Okay. And they have to find jobs outside the sector or they have to move out of the sector, uh, move out of the area. 
But if we lose these facilities and we lose a whole part of our society, you know, how many people, let's use a trend as an example, I'm sure it's the same in Teesside, I don't think it's maybe the same in Cardiff, uh, but let's use a trend, there ain't many jobs in Thongoch, okay? There's just not many. So that's quite a big employer to put the trend. If that facility dies, then we probably lose 20, 30, maybe more jobs in the area. It's quite a big chunk for that area of unemployed people with nowhere to go. With no, with no, you know, the skill base has gone, hasn't it? It's gone. Because nowhere to go. So that's an interesting little thing to think about as well, isn't it? Right? How do we sort of make our sport inclusive? How do we keep our talent pool? How do we not alienate people? And how, to be honest, how do we all have a good time? Excuse me. It's hard, isn't it, in this world of uh, austerity? You know, there's there's quite a lot of uh, a lot of people really struggling at the moment financially. Loads of people struggling financially. Loads of people going to food banks. You know, there's bigger things to discuss. And whether or not, okay, we can afford leisure time. Because it is, right? I've just been out running this weekend. It cost me 70 quid, right, to go running at an event. 70 quid to run around the park, really. Okay? It cost me £10 an hour to run around the park. <laughs> right? Of which I can run around for free any day of the week. What did I get for me? 10 quid. Right? Uh, I got a bib number and I got someone shouting at me to go <laughs> and that's about it uh, that's it like there was a toilet block there which the toilet block's there anyway <laughs> right there was car parking the car parking's there anyway and uh, I got people shouting at me but they're just shouting at me anyway because it's in Leeds and while well, the, these shouts were encouragement shouts, they've probably been abusive shouts. <laughs> but, you know, I paid £10 an hour to run around the park that I can run around today for free. Now, everything appears to have a financial cost, okay? And it's how we validate our financial cost against our time, isn't it? Against our time. Excuse me. Because, let's be honest, when we work a job, right, we're not really earning money out of it where earning our tokens of what that what we can spend at week so we're giving hours to then spend hours later in the day or later in the week or later in the month okay so how much pleasure we get from the time that we've accrued you know if we earn let's say 10 pounds an hour we work an eight hour day 80 quid okay we then we, we can then offset that those eight hours that we've given up and use those fun tokens. Now, some of those fun tokens are not fun, are they? You know, like the pain stuff to keep it alive, you know? And the rest of it's fun. Or should be fun. So, we need to work that out, don't we? And we all have to make adjustments, you know? All of us. Every single one of us has to make adjustments. Now, I'm not going to uh, talk anymore about this because I'm boring myself. But I think it's something that we should think about when we're paddling. We should be a little bit kinder to people. But anyway, have you seen on the old socials that Mr. Dane Jackson 
and has just done sort of some amazing the double barrel roll, kicky, wicky, ticky, taco, burrito, rolly thing. So basically, he surfed this massive wave and uh, sands paddles and done a double rotation on a spin in the air. Uh, so for those that try to work out what I'm talking about, imagine like an Eskimo roll, but his head didn't get wet. Uh, and he's about four foot off the water. So he's done a double spin and landed back on the green. It's amazing, isn't it? It's like defying gravity. I could never have thought that paddlers would do stuff like that uh, when I first learned to paddle. You know, when I first learned to paddle, people were doing paddle spins and pop-outs. And now people are defying the laws of gravity. And it's amazing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. We have a really good community, you know. And I think what we spend a bit of our money doing is to be included in that community all right and we should just keep the love and the the community brings us you know trials and tribulations and friendships and laughter and it challenges us challenges us on loads of levels you know it challenges on challenges us physically and mentally you know gives us stuff to talk about on a monday morning uh, and thank you for listening to this and it's been great and uh, just remember, gang, you know, I joke about this quite a bit on my socials, but you don't even need anybody else to validate your efforts. You can validate your own, you know, because we are all pretty amazing people and we do amazing things. We all have a lot to talk to in our lives. And uh, someday, some weekends, we get frustrated by our leisure time, but that's because our work-a-day lives have drained us of all our fun. And uh, we've sat thinking about, you know, that dentist department on the Wednesday, or we sat drink, thinking about our security or whatever. And we don't enjoy our weekend as much because we've got this stuff set in the back of our brain. Okay, so have a cracking week. Thanks for listening to this podcast. You know the drill if you want to buy me a coffee because obviously I have to pay to host this podcast. And uh, the Buy Me A Coffee platform is there to do that. And it's got nothing to do with my coffee company or indeed my exhibition company, of which I talk rarely about because I'm aware that this is not a sales platform. Right, crack on gang. Have a great one.